and welcome to another episode of Jason and Bart Show. Hey, Jason, we have another guest. Amazing. Yeah, we do. Number two. We, number two. We, we number like two. <laughs> well, yeah, we do. Who do we have our today? Guest today? Yes, our guest today, ladies and gentlemen, is Leslie Camacho. Uh, welcome to the show, Leslie. Hello. Woo. Hey, good awesome. morning, all. Hey. Yeah, yeah there you go, Bart. We evening. needed a little bit of the the, the analog uh, uh, effect there. Um, Leslie is a professional EOS implementer. Uh, he has 25 uh, plus years of leading entrepreneurial companies as an owner, CEO, COO, integrator, and coach. Um, he currently helps teams implement a simple set of tools and principles that get them in charge and in control of their businesses so that they can have a big impact and build a legacy that honors their values uh, without sacrificing themselves, their teams, and especially their families. Uh, in his free time, Leslie loves hiking and riding his gravel bike in the woods. He does live in Bend, Oregon, uh, and he enjoys playing video games with his wife and running Dungeons and Dragon adventures for his three children. Leslie, welcome. It is so great to be here. <clears throat> we are super yeah, we are super stoked to have you uh, on board. Um, for those of you who are watching us, uh, again, Leslie's from Oregon, and we're recording pretty early in his morning, so so he is the chief espresso officer That's right. today of the show. Um, yeah, we wanted to uh, have Leslie on board. Uh, he's doing some really amazing work with owners and operators of, of digital agencies um, as an EOS um, implementer, and I think that's probably a great place to start. There are a lot of acronyms in our business, as everybody knows. And I think probably the first place to start is talking a little bit about EOS and what it is and um, why is it good for owners and operators to uh, to consider it? Uh, yeah. The uh, First, I want to say that you have to be really careful when you say you ride gravel bikes. <laughs> Because sometimes people will actually take you up on that, and then you have to show up and actually do it. I, I, there's a, a client of mine has an office in Montana, and I told them that, and they invited me on a gravel ride, 35 miles in the mountains go. in Whitefish, Montana. It was amazing, but uh, I discovered that <laughs> you better be telling the truth about <laughs> these intro things. Uh, so yeah, EOS. EOS stands for the Entrepreneurial Operating System. Uh, it was created by an uh, entrepreneur named Gino Wickman about 20 years ago, uh, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, he put it all together in this book called Traction, and now there's a whole set of books called the EOS Library. I think Traction is on its 15th or 16th uh, year. Uh, mm -hmm. But EOS really helps you do three things at a high level, and that's vision, meaning uh, you know where you're going and how you're going to get there. Traction, meaning that everyone in your company or organization knows their part, what they need to be doing on a daily basis, on a quarterly basis uh, to make the vision happen, and healthy, uh, and that just means whatever team health you currently have, EOS wants to make your teams even more open, honest, and vulnerable because uh, healthy teams outperform smart teams uh, every day of the week. And you want teams to be smart too, but in our industry, it's usually the healthy part that gets left out. We get smart naturally in our business, um, often to our detriment. So it's the healthy part I like to emphasize on, on that particular one. That makes a lot of sense. And um, thank you. And then, and then on the 
you know, the sort of a subset uh, of of the training and implementation of the EOS methodology is this idea around LMA, yet another acronym um, yeah. that we'll talk <laughs> yeah. about uh, this morning. Can you talk a little bit about LMA? Yeah, EOS loves its acronyms. So uh, LMA stands for Leadership, Management, and Accountability, and we use it like a formula. So it's leadership plus management equals accountability. So we think of accountability as an outcome of doing leadership and management well. Uh, or if you have poor accountability, you're, something's off in either your leadership practices or your management practices. Uh, and so it's a quick way of describing at a high level a way to look at, hey, if something's off with accountability, it's got to be one of those two things, mo most likely uh, in those two areas. And so we separate those into two distinct disciplines and we say excuse me anyone with a direct report has to have lma leadership management and accountability that's their number one job priority so if you have anyone with one direct report regardless of their title director manager team lead whatever they have to have the lma uh, skill set to really empower and get the most out of their team and uh, to make their direct reports happy you know, the, uh, let's use less businessy teams. You have to show up and help people enjoy their jobs. And a mm -hmm. lot of that time, it's just giving them, uh, it, it's doing those two things uh, so that they're happy to be doing what they're doing uh, and doing it together with you all. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you break down LMA there. And I think the, uh, I think the, the name of this episode is something like, um, you know, you're in charge, but not in control. Can you talk a little bit about the, um, and I think there are so many people out there who will definitely relate to that, to that <laughs> title. Can you talk a little bit about the, um, sort of the psychological state that you find a lot of your clients in, um, when you work with them around the idea of being in charge, but not in control. Yeah. So first of all, I have to give credit uh, to, I think he's called head of partner success. His name is Jim uh, Haviland and he has his own company called, I forget the name of his company. I met him in the context of there's this software application called 90 uh, that I use with a lot of my clients. And so Jim is the head of partner success there. And he's the one that introduced me to that phrase. And as soon as I heard it, it's like, oh, that is so, so great to, uh, as a way to give context to, do you need help? Whether it's EOS or something else. So really asking, are you in charge? But not in control in terms of you know the owner or the partners in the business i think it's a really succinct way of just describing like you've hit a ceiling in the business the things that you've done to get you as far as you uh are at regardless of where that's at you're you know half a million dollars a year all the way up to 50 million dollars a year the same things you've been doing aren't working anymore uh, and so you feel stuck, things feel sluggish, you've hit a plateau. And regardless of what you do, you have people looking to you, you're writing, <laughs> we're writing, we're running payroll every two weeks or every month, whatever that works, uh, paying contracts, but nothing's moving the needle anymore. Uh, at best, you're holding the status quo, either going up or down uh, in there, and it causes an immense amount of stress because you have something that you want to accomplish in your head or you're getting pressure 
uh, from some place and you need to mm-hmm. figure out how to get back in control of things instead of just being the person who writes the checks. Yeah, that's really interesting. Do you find that like, do you find that the, well, let me, instead of asking a leading question, what do you find to be the biggest challenges for implementation when you work with, with owners and operators of their company? I mean, is it like, is it basically just, you know, human nature is what you're fighting against because the biggest challenge to scalability is to a certain extent delegation, which requires a certain amount of letting go of control over how, <laughs> yeah. how things actually get delivered, not so much in concentrating on the result of what's getting delivered. So almost yeah, every single one of my clients is a digital agency of some sort, and that's my background uh, as well. In, in so the number one thing I find is just a lack of knowledge. Quite honestly, there's a lot of challenges in the implementation, but in terms of if we take a step back and say before you implement EOS or some you know something that helps you run your business better, it's really just a lack of knowledge that you even need these things. Uh, or that they exist. Oftentimes, the owner will have these as soft skills that they don't recognize. That was the case for me. Uh, and I see this in a lot of the clients I work with where, how, how come when I'm talking to someone, I'm able to do this? Uh, I'm able to get them going in the same direction. And then I hire someone and I need them to do it on my behalf. And it doesn't work. Right. Uh, and then that just sorts of, that kind of replicates kind of across the board. And we think so deeply about the mechanics of what we do, especially around quality. So oftentimes it, it, you know, most agencies that I run into have super high quality standards when it comes to the work. We want to be the best X, Y, and Z. We will have the higher standards for UX development, whatever that may be. And we don't know how to translate those standards of excellence into actually running the business, even if we know how to run an agency, if that makes sense. So those are separate skills. I know the mechanics of the agency. I know the, how we deliver. I know what my clients find valuable and yet I'm still not growing in the way that I want. And as we add people, it, it runs into it. And it's often just, what skills am I actually missing? Cause I'm not finding them in, you know, whatever world of expertise I live in. And that's where EOS becomes super valuable. Cause it just gives you these simple tools that you can spend a long time learning how to master that layer over the other things. So more than anything else, the biggest challenge is just a lack of knowledge mm-hmm. uh, or, or an overwhelm. You know, I, there's a hundred different blog posts on how to be productive or how to run teams but which one's actually going to work and who do I talk to about that? Uh, yeah. So yeah, that, that's, that's the biggest one. Past that, it's what you said. Once we're actually into the work, it's getting people to let go and understanding that uh, how to do that and that it's, uh, it's time and energy intensive to actually let go of the vine, as we often say in EOS land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Bart? Um, I'm actually question for you. Like, um, we've always looked at EOS. We haven't done any of it in, uh, in those, I don't, Jason, did you guys implement that yet or no? No, I've read, I've read traction, but I haven't, we haven't, it's, it's, it takes, it requires a lot, to be honest, it takes a lot of discipline. I find that in the past, um, 
either companies where I've been or, uh, oh, you, you've got it. You've got it right behind you too. Twice. Uh, I'm looking at Leslie right over your yep. head there. Very nice. <laughs> nice, nice product placement for Gino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it requires a lot of discipline. And I think it does require a, um, someone like Leslie to actually come in alongside you and actually help you actually yeah. get it implemented with the rest of your team, because just you go into your team can be a little bit challenging trying to implement it as a, as a system. It's daunting. There are, you know, equations and people get freaked out by math and all the rest of it. But um, yeah, uh, my actual question was like, what's the typical sort of implementation time? So what, what I tell clients early on or people that are considering it is you can expect 18 to 24 months before it's actually in place and working top to bottom in the organization. But you should see an initial lift from it in the first 90 days if you're working with a professional. Hey, uh, Jason. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. Hey, Jason, this is, I think, the first time I have somebody answer that question because <laughs> it's like every time every, everybody that asked us those questions, we're like, oh, it's going to take yeah. what it's going to take. Right. Uh, but truthfully, like it's kind of like it is like in our world, it's like we really don't know because it's, you know, every yeah. single business is so different. But it's, it's funny to get an actual answer. <laughs> yeah, it, it can vary the fastest. It, like. When I talk to my coaches, you know, super experienced implementers that have been at it for years, they say like the speediest companies who go super all in from day one, it's around eight to nine months. And then they're usually, quote, graduated because what we do is we intentionally try to graduate clients. We're not consultants that try to we're not there for the long haul. And for right. the long haul for us, that's like three to five years. Right. We're there for the the short term and short term in anything that requires full on organizational change. Short term is 18 to 24 months. So my goal and most implementers will tell you our goal is to get clients graduated within uh, within two years, sometimes faster. And we measure that along the way. So we, you know. Start at the beginning, EOS has six different components. We measure what you're doing in each of those components, assign a score to it that is based on just a self-assessment that we do together. And then we measure that on a regular basis until you are at an aggregate score of 80% or higher, and then we consider you graduated. Mm -hmm. uh, but that question is like, the answer to that question is it, what I love best about EOS, because the real thing that I love about it is it's a way for your leaders to create other leaders inside the organization. So the better way to answer it is, can you master the tools so that they go from a set of tools to an actual way that you think about running the business by default? And then you can communicate that mindset that's really about decisions that lead to better leadership and management and incorporate you know, all core values, your focus, all these different things. And then you can pass that on to new leaders inside your organization. And whenever that happens, regardless of what, you know, the numerical score is, then you know that you're self-sufficient because now you can create new effective leaders inside. And that's the, it's the secret, not so secret to actually scaling an organization. You can have all the mechanics right, but you have to be able to empower and train new leaders in the organization. And I, I think that's what EOS does extraordinarily well for small businesses, especially in the digital agency space. Uh, because of all the operating systems, I, I'm overeducated. I got my MBA. I did all this other stuff. <laughs> so I know the complex alternatives. <laughs> and these are just like really simple. But because they're simple, they 
surface really challenging things. So when like Jason says it's hard, it's because it's simple. So what gets surfaced are the hard things you have to deal with. Right. Uh, and then it, as one of my clients said, it just makes the challenging things normative. It's like, Hey, here's a hard thing, but yeah, it's just Tuesday. So we can accomplish, you know, we can solve this together. And right. when that starts happening consistently, I, I would consider you graduated or pretty close. Yeah. I wonder, uh, does it, does it make sense for like enterprises to do it? Like big genomes enterprises. <clears throat> so where we see EOS and enterprises is where they have, they need to have a startup or early stage mentality. I, yeah. uh, when we talk about EOS somewhere over 250 full-time employees, you need layers of middle management tools that EOS doesn't provide by default. EOS has ways to deal with that, but you know, a 2000 person company needs just a different level of doing it. You're much more managing by spreadsheet instead of right. direct leadership. And that's one of the beauties of EOS is because it's from the ground up, it's built for that personal, very relational, but high accountability uh, things that you lose when you're 2000 employees. Right. So we'll see like, like an implementer friend of mine, they work with a meatpacking company that has a thousand employees and they run an EOS. So it can definitely work, but they have a very flat structure, high accountability, high health, and it's very easily to uh, divide up that into smaller divisions that each have their own uh, strategic plan for that division and then reports up. So it gets more complicated and definitely works, but the um, may that be a problem you have <laughs> is that you outgrow EOS. <laughs> Something has gone incredibly right. If you're like, man, we're a thousand people and we started at 20. <laughs> nice. 100%. Nice. Yep. You, nice. you talked a little bit about um, the idea is as you sort of build out and start to trust other people to make decisions as you, you know, because th this is obviously about being able to scale your business, right? You were talking earlier about, you know, yep. you can't keep doing the things that you were doing when you were smaller um, or less successful. Um, does the, does the change in mentality around leadership management and accountability link directly to behavior and activities that, different people within the organization will take on that, that are sort of subcategories that will feed that LMA yeah, financial and operational you, type of behavior and activities. You, you set that up perfectly for me. So thank you. Hey, how about that? We didn't plan that. So the way that we think about it is that an organization's culture really determines its long-term success. Like there's other critical factors, but in terms of can you plan for the long haul and then execute daily, the way that we look at it is uh, your core values of the organization. And in EOS, core values are expected behaviors. They're not aspirational. They're not things you try to do. They're reflective of what of what you do on a regular basis that makes you a successful, healthy team. Mm -hmm. And they're usually pretty unique. So your ability to really live out your core values on a regular basis and your ability to hold people accountable to the expectations you set are what determine that long-term success, that mindset, those two things together. So if accountability is leadership plus management, then you're really saying the force multipliers in an organization are your core values plus your ability to do leadership and management well. Mm 
And then you add in the third thing, which is the vision for the organization. And between those three things, like when you are the owner, the bigger your organization gets, those become the three areas that you more and more focus down and take up the majority of your time. You concentrate on the vision, you work on the culture, and then you help other people be great at leadership and management. And that's how you let go uh, with yeah. it for for the long haul there. And that's where you have to have the mindset. So it, your core values, you have to be anchored in those things. Otherwise, it's really hard to do. It's really hard to set as expectations. Yeah. Um it's like saying, hey, be a, be a good developer. Well, okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't want to be a bad developer, so all right, you, I'm, I'm in it. But what does that actually mean, right? Sure. And that's going to be a different thing for Sumo. That's going to be a different thing for crowd favorite, even though there will be a, no, a lot of overlap. It's going to mean different things in the context of everything else you want to do. Mm-hmm. And it should directly relate to how you're holding people accountable all the way down into the finances, delivery, and everything else. But it starts with setting those high expectations around, hey, here's our core, core values, and here's how we do accountability. So there should be a lot of transparency, and that's how you give people more control. Like the accountability is permission to stop micromanaging and let people have control of their own situation. And so once people are in control, they're a lot happier. They have a lot more influence. There's more transparency. You increase team health. And all that stuff takes time. It's so easy to condense like here and, you know, quote, sound smart. But it is so difficult to do on a day-to-day basis. And that's why 18, 24 months to really start taking hold as a mindset. Uh, It just takes time. It takes practice. Yeah, because we're so used to being the especially, you know, small business owners who are scaling their business, they're so used to doing a lot of the implementation, which got them to where they are today, yeah. right? To so got them to the scaling, the scaling aspect of it. Um, so speaking of, of that, and, and I'm sure when you, when you come on board, you're, you're meeting with a lot of owners who are, this, this show is for owners and operators. And we, Bart and I, a lot of times talk about them as two separate roles, but I'm guessing that a lot of the time when you, um, start to inter interface with your clients that a lot of those role that those two roles are actually being done by the same person uh, in terms of not just owning the company but also but also operating it and not just operating it externally from a client or a talent perspective but also obviously operating it from an administrative standpoint uh, as a business leader as you start to work with leader uh, owners and, and leaders within an organization I would imagine some of the harder conversations are around, um, do you currently have the team to actually achieve <laughs> LMA that you want to achieve? Yeah. And I guess my question to you is how do you go about working with an owner on determining whether or not they need to build their team from the internal resources they have or looking for external resources or probably in most cases, some combination of the two? So this is the hardest part about EOS and I, I talked a little about this before, but you have to have a commitment to having the right people with you. That's really what we're talking about. So how do you find the right people? In EOS, we define it as two things. You have to have right person. These are the right person in EOS is defined as they share your core values. Like the way that they show up to work every day is going to fit with how your 
current team show up and work every day. That doesn't mean they have to be the same. We're not, you know, uh, like diversity may be a core value. So bringing a diverse set of backgrounds and skill sets and perspectives can be part of it. So we're not talking about sameness. We're talking about what are the strengths of how we behave together that really empower each other and keep us healthy. That's the right person. The other part is right seat, and this is the more traditional, that the right seat is they're good at their job. And in EOS, we talk about three things, get it, want it, and capacity to do it. Mm -hmm. And get it is do they understand the job? Have you communicated it well, and do you believe they really understand what the job is at a high level, regardless of the specifics? Then do they want it? Is this something that gets them up in the morning? Uh, is it something they would do anyway? Uh, and you can never make someone want it. They have to want it. And then the capacity is, do they have the skill set, the background, the time, the energy, or the responsibility split? So when I'm working with new leaders for the first time and their leadership teams, the very first thing that we do on day one is we create uh, the accountability chart together. And that's EOS's version of an organizational chart. And we start by saying six to 12 months from now, what's the right structure for this organization? And that's where we start looking at what structurally do we need? What are the right seats for this organization? And then on day two, we start talking about the core values. What are the core values of this organization? So after the second day of implementation, you have the beginning foundations of understanding here are the right seats I need for my organization to grow. And here's the type of person I need to fill that seat. And then we start with an honest, open, vulnerable self-evaluation of the leadership team. We don't evaluate any direct reports until we do that for each other in the room. And that's that's the make or break. <laughs> that's when I get fired or or they thank me afterwards because right. we do that in real time. Right. Like literally, if we if you guys were my clients in a room, we would be creating this accountability chart to go. And then we go, hey, Jason, all right, can we be open and honest with you? Bart, is Jason the right person to be the COO for this organization? Right. And then we go through and we do that solve. And there's a lot of like, oh, crap moments. Like We're really going to do this. Right. Uh, and so once you get the hang of doing it for each other and being able to say, oh, yeah, here's where we need to grow. And here's where uh, or here's where we're missing things, uh, because we really want to get everyone where they're really excited about showing up to do their best work on a regular basis. Sure. So that's kind of the long answer to say, yeah, we got to get right person, right seat. We start defining those and then we build the team around those needs in a way that's open, honest and vulnerable and transparent. Yeah. Yeah. That's a perfect segue. My, my, my last question today, uh, first I was going to ask, um, how do you do role resolution when you have two people who are convinced that they should both be in the same role. And that's just, a, I think that's a show unto itself. So I think the better question yep. <laughs> is because I'm, I'm guessing that happens quite a bit, um, especially amongst uh, organizations with partners. I would imagine that yep. that's, that that's probably uh, the and initial thing that needs yeah. to and family. Right. Exactly. Yep. Um, so instead of how do you actually do resolution? I guess the question is uh, how often do you kind of see it come up? Uh, in terms of when you're in the room with leadership team that you have multiple people who are all who all believe that themselves should be in uh, the same role. Uh, something usually comes up with every so far, every single client has had a version that's either that directly 
or similar to that. And if it doesn't come with the actual seat name, it usually comes with a responsibility of some sort. I think I'm in charge of this or who gets to be in charge of this. And in digital agencies where I see it most is in operations. And especially if you're between like the 15 and 30 and you and you do software plus something else, or you do UX plus something else, where you have multiple disciplines mm -hmm. that have to get put together in order to you know, deliver a successful client project, then it becomes like, do I have one person representing all of delivery on my leadership team or am I breaking it up? Do I have someone representing software, someone representing client services, or do I have like a lead design and a lead developer on my leadership team? Or do I trust someone to represent both? Right. Uh, that's a close second to this is sales and marketing. And this is usually... Yeah, what, what leads? Like we've had this conversation, does marketing lead, does sales lead? Is there a growth seat that's in charge of both? Um, and then does someone fight over the second in command position? In an EOS, that person's called the integrator. So all the leadership team reports up to the integrator. And sometimes, especially if there's multiple partners in the business, there's a fight over the integrator seat. I'm in charge of daily operations. No, I am, no, I am. And we resolve that in session in the room. And yeah. sometimes there's yelling and screaming. And sometimes there's crying. I've had both. And sometimes, it, it, but all the time, it always ends with a sense of relief. Whether it's it's got to be cathartic, right? Yeah. For yeah, yes. it's got to be. I mean, the the worst thing that can happen is 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 the unknown, right? You don't you don't know what you don't know. So I'm sure that having yeah. these conversations <laughs> at the bare minimum, right, releases a lot of things that probably are are living underneath the rug um, that everybody sweeps underneath there on a daily yeah. basis. They're invisible, and so <laughs> oftentimes when I'm working with someone, <laughs> so they're not. Friend, they've said <laughs> the quiet not. part out loud. Yeah, like yeah. I, I've had the conversation usually goes like this: would be like. Hey, uh, Jason, are you okay reporting to Bart? Uh, it's not that I don't want to report no. to Bart. It's yeah, just no, that, you no. know, Bart's great. But, you know, what if we did this instead? It's like, no, I need you to answer the question directly. Right. Are you okay right. reporting to Bart? Well, Bart's a great guy, but right. and there's an avoidance. Something's going on. Something has to be resolved. And that may have been happening for years. And so a lot of the job, the initial few sessions is to get the invisible stuff out in the open and just deal with it, regardless of tools, operating acronyms, like you have to deal with the dynamics and get the team healthy before you can move forward. Yeah. I think to best serve your team too, you've got to really, this is hard sometimes, but you have to take a bit of a more mature approach and divorce yourself of some of the emotions. And it's, you know, I borrow a line from a movie, but it's not show friends, it's show business, right? And at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah. like you do have a yeah. response, you as the owners, your LMA is to everyone else who's working with you or working for you, yeah. quite frankly. And so taking it seriously and making the best decisions for, for the team is really important. Um, yep. Dude, this was great. Thank you so much for for coming on board uh, today. We uh, we do generally end our uh, podcast with about five minutes on. Uh, I believe we call this section. What are you obsessing over? Something like that. What are you obsessed? <laughs> what are you with? obsessed with right oh, now? God, with, with right now. Wow. Thank God you added the right now to it. Jason, Otherwise, it would have ended Jason, in a Jason, preposition. Yes, that's correct. Um, uh, Jason, this is why I do that part of the show oh, i'm sir. sorry he'll edit this <laughs> as he as he'll edit out the other 27 minutes <laughs> oh i'm not editing anything my friends uh yeah no our actual last question for you is always what are you currently obsessed with could be anything 
Uh, so just real quick, I want to make sure I give credit. I like, I like citing sources. So most of what I just said, I'm drawing from Mark Winters in a book called Rocket Fuel that he co-wrote with Gina Wickman and another one called How to Be a Great Boss. That's Gina Wickman and Renee Bauer. I, both of those have been like instrumental there. So what am I currently obsessing over? It's this online tabletop, virtual tabletop called Owlbear. Because I'm trying to figure out, like I run D&D with my kids and sometimes they have friends that want to join virtually and we have other family friends. And so I, I'm trying to figure out like, how do I set up a gaming table using a monitor that I can have virtual people and people in the room, kind of a hybrid session. Mm -hmm. And my ability to sit down and learn deep software that's not directly related to how I make money <laughs> I don't have a lot of time and energy and Owlbearer is like a super simple way to do that. So I'm learning to just get good at that on, on the go so that I can uh, pull up this. I have a notion template for running campaigns that comes from this guy named Michael Shea, the lazy dungeon master. So I try to follow the lazy dungeon master way of doing things and bringing Owlbearer into it and then just getting good at it. So my 13 year old, um doesn't wipe the floor with me afterwards <laughs> uh but yeah that that's the big thing <clears throat> is figuring all that stuff out well 100%. well leslie what about, thank what about you bart what are you obsessing over no this is about the no we do our, we, we didn't we do didn't record we did not <laughs> record this week so i think we have to tell the audience for this week you, what it, we're obsessing over if you're not you can't tell we're in a weird bad relationship sometimes <laughs> <laughs> Because he I, I'm here to help. We, he forgets the audience. To... He, the audience did not hear us tell them this week what we were obsessing <laughs> over. Coming and back, they're from and they're dying to know. They're dying to yeah, know. They're dying to know. No, I just came back from Biz Dev Camp, so it's you know a lot of those notes in my head. That's that's currently what I'm obsessing with, Jason. Nice uh, new book called The Great Game of Business. There you uh, go. A guy named Jack Stack uh, just got this from a, a mentor of mine. Uh, and we'll be diving into that next week while I'm out. Awesome. Uh, Leslie, one more thing. Uh, put all your plugs in. Uh, that's basically the... End of yeah, the where show. do we find you? Yep. Uh, so I have... Oh, this is always so embarrassing, especially talking to digital agencies. So I have a website at lesliecamacho.com. Boom. Uh, uh, I... You're, it's going to be very easy to tell I built it myself. Uh, one day I'll have a better site, but you can connect with me there. It shows how to contact me if you're interested in doing EOS or uh, anything else you might need. I love showing up and helping people in uh, various ways. So lesliecamacho.com. I'm still sort of on Twitter. I was never great at social media and I'm even less great at it now, but DMs are open. It's a really easy way to get a hold of me. And on Twitter, I'm Leslie S. The S is for Steven uh, Camacho there. And it's easy to find me on LinkedIn as well. And uh, if, if I can help you out in any way, Dungeons and Dragons, EOS, uh, what else might I nerdy progressive metal recommendations? <laughs> any of those three topics, I'm here to help. Or nice. good espresso Perfect. picks. Nice. <laughs> Perfect. Leslie, thank you so much for Thanks coming so on. Thanks so much, the show. man, for coming on. It was great. All right. Appreciate both of you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Peace.